0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. All right, did, did you hear what Peter said uh, to believers? It's, it's different than what we're used to hearing. Look at verse 1. Peter says, Therefore... Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, what does he say? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Jesus suffered. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Jesus is saying Christians need to arm themselves for suffering. Got to arm yourself for suffering. That's such an interesting image or illustration, isn't it? First of all, arm yourself. Arm yourself. I mean, it means you have a weapon and you want to keep it close. So uh, imagine you live in a in a really bad neighborhood and break-ins happen often, and and you've got a, a club next to the bed and your phone right there just in case. And then one night you you hear a, a crash and the glass is is landing on the floor and 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 you hear footsteps and you and you reach for that club. Oh no, it's in the garage. And, and you reach for that phone, and the batteries are dead. And you realize you're not armed. <laughs> you're not ready. And Peter's saying, you got to be ready. You've got to be armed, prepared. But here's where it really gets strange. He says, arm yourself for suffering. Usually when we think of suffering, we're, we're arming ourselves so that we won't have to suffer. Right? Arm yourself so you don't have to suffer. Peter says, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I want you to arm yourself to be ready to suffer. I want you to arm yourself with a mindset that you're willing to suffer if necessary. You're gonna walk into it on purpose if needed. Arm yourself for suffering. So this is a strange weapon, isn't it? A strange weapon, Peter says, Christians need to have a willingness a willingness to suffer in some way, if necessary. So naturally, uh, how many of you were hoping for this today? You were like, I need to be ready to suffer more. I need to be ready to walk into it. I hope that's what he's talking about today. Okay, I'm gonna guess none of you were feeling that way. How many of you, in general, you're like, if suffering's over here, I'm running over there? Okay, (laughs) that's natural, that's normal, that's the way I feel. Oh, there's suffering, let's leave, (laughs) Let's move away. And so Peter is saying, actually, sometimes I need you to move into it. Sometimes, right right way, right context, I need you to be willing to move into it. So what we're talking about here is something that's actually supernatural. God is going to have to work in us to take away certain fears, take away certain um, awkwardnesses that we won't face to, to actually give us a new kind of joy, a new kind of fear that we'd actually say, in some cases, you know, I'm armed, I'm ready I'm ready to walk into this. Because, Peter says, if you're not armed for it, if you're not ready, you won't be able to live the Christian life like you should. You won't be able to. You'll compromise. You'll fall. You won't be who you're called to be. So we have to be armed with this, Peter says. We have to be ready. So to me, the question in this passage is kind of a a how. There's... There's a why, we're gonna see that as we go through it, but also a how. How do I get motivated to actually wanna take on this attitude? Or looking at it from a why angle, why would I want to be like this? Why would this be worth it? So that's what we're gonna walk through in this passage. We're gonna see four things, I think. The reality that motivates you into why, that gives you the how, the reality. Number two, the belonging. You have a belonging uh, that you need to see, that's going to motivate you to arm yourself like this. The break. There's going to be a fundamental break that having this attitude enables. And Christians should be like, yeah, I want that. Reality, belonging, break, and then finally the reward where you say, this is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Reality, belonging, break, reward. So let's start. How can you arm yourself like this? How can you be ready? Well, you see, First uh, Peter 4, 1, that second word is so important. And I want to start here just for a second. Since, and then what's the second word in verse one? Therefore, therefore. uh, You ever been to like a little Bible study class and they say, uh, when you see the word therefore, you need to ask what it's therefore. Therefore. Why did he put it there? Because therefore is a cause and effect kind of a thing. Cause and effect. There's a reality over here and that should change you over there therefore. And I was just thinking, wow, Christianity is a therefore way of looking at the world. If you're curious, look it up sometime in the New Testament, how many therefores there are. Christianity is a therefore way of looking at the world. So what I want to say here is our ethics, our rules, our practices, they don't just come from nowhere. It's not just about human opinion or following along traditions. That's not the way we're supposed to see it. Christian behavior is an echo of reality itself when it's consistent. Christian behavior is an echo of who God is and how he has designed the world to work. There's always a therefore. You read God's word, he almost never says, because I said so. There's a time for that, okay, parents? There's a time. And sometimes, trust me, because I said so. But so many times he says, well, here's why. This is the way I want you to, to live because there's a, there's a therefore. It's an echo of reality itself. Um, and you know, we live in an increasingly secular world and I, and I need you to realize the secular world doesn't have this therefore. It doesn't have this therefore. So let's, I heard Tim Keller give this illustration and he does it better than I will. Um, but let's, let's play a little game, Okay. Most of us, I hope all of us, would say, racism is wrong. Can I get like a big amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And you know what's great? Uh, Hopefully, if Christians are consistent, they all say that. Now, in our past, in our history, we failed a million times. But if we're consistent with what we believe, racism is wrong, right? In our time, in our day, in our country, most secular folks, even if they're an atheist, they would agree with that. Praise God. It's God's providence. Praise God. They would say, amen. Racism is wrong. Okay, now uh, what does a little kid do? How old do they get? And, and they ask the same question about 83 kabillion times. Why? 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 And at the end, you're like, because I said so. <laughs> but let's do that. Why? Why? If you're a secular person, that means you're not—you don't really believe in a transcendent God, and you think all of reality is really just the here and now, the material. And you're like, racism is wrong. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a high five. I'm so with you on that. Racism is wrong. Hey, just for fun. Why? And the secular person might say, well, every individual is valuable. I can give him another high five. I agree. Why? And you go down the line a little bit, and you get to their view of ultimate reality, which is, a billion years ago, we all climbed out of the primordial soup. And we all includes uh, the mosquitoes that you slap, and the cows that you eat, and the human beings. And this has worked in such a way where it's, it's a survival of the what? The fittest. The survival of the fittest. And that's ultimate reality. And so, if one race is stronger or more powerful or has more technology than another race, then why couldn't that first race dominate the second race? Well, that would be wrong. Why? The secular world does not have a reality, it does not have a therefore for its ethical claims. There's no therefore. Um, So, praise God, when a secular person has high ethics and they fight for justice, high five, they're being inconsistent. When a Christian is racist, he's being inconsistent. But I need you to see, folks, we have a therefore. Why is racism wrong? There's a holy God who made people in his image. Jesus Christ has come to earth and said, love your enemy, therefore, therefore, everyone is to be treated equal value, equal worth, dignity. Do you see the therefore? We have a therefore. And so what I want, I want you to see here for this, this version of the therefore in the New Testament is when Peter says, arm yourself for suffering, it's coming from an, a therefore, a reality, of who God is and what he's doing and what the story is all about and how if you're willing to arm yourself to suffer, you're fitting in with what the world is all about and where things are going. This is your life. Live it to the fullest for Jesus. Arm yourself for suffering right here. It's coming from who God is and what he's done. That helps us arm ourselves, helps us get ready, helps us buckle up because we're connected to the reality of God. Second, the belonging, First Peter 4, 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. What's the therefore here that arms us there? Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Christians, have you noticed how often your therefore for how you live is, hey, look at the gospel. Look at who Jesus is. Look at what he's done. That's how you arm yourself. suffer if needed because you're going to look at what Jesus has done two examples of the therefore look at Romans 12 1 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God present yourself as a living sacrifice what's first The mercies of God. God has loved you through Jesus Christ. He's loved you. He's won you through the life, death, and resurrection. So now, because you have, because you are loved in Christ by grace through faith, therefore, now what? Give him your body. Why does he want your body? Because that's what you're living in, (laughs) right? He wants it all. He wants how you live, how you think, how you speak, how you feel, what you do, all that stuff you're doing with your body, it's for him. Why? Because he saved you by grace. Have you trusted Jesus? Do you belong to him? Therefore, or Ephesians 5.1. What's that first word there? Therefore, be imitators of God. And what's the next phrase? As beloved children, why should you want to live God's character in your life? Because he's your father. He's won you. The second thing in verse two, walk in love. Why? Christ has loved us and he gave himself up for us. Therefore, Jesus, the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done is our therefore. If you put your eyes back on 1 Peter 3, 18, you see what's in Peter's mind. Arm yourselves for suffering. Why? Well, look at verse Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Do, do you know that you're a sinner as you sit here right now? Did, did you know that if you stood before God on your own life, what you've thought, what you've said, what you've done, you know you've rebelled against him, you've replaced him, you haven't wanted him, you've you, you paved your own road, and it's, it's been a dumpster fire in some ways, you deserve his judgment. We know that. And look at what Jesus has done. We looked at his last week, if you want to get on the website and listen to what we said last week. But here it is, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also suffered once for sins, which means it was uh, the perfect sacrifice, one death on a cross to pay for all your sins. Isn't that amazing? If you trust in him today, guess what has happened to all your sins? Forgiven, gone. Oh, that's awesome. Once for sins, it was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. Not only that, he's the perfect substitute, the righteous for the unrighteous. You see the trait here? I'm unrighteous. I deserve the cross. He's taking it instead of me. I deserve to be judged by God. God's accepting me. Why? Because he punished Jesus in my place. Jesus is the perfect substitute. He gives us his righteousness. We've given him our sin. He's the perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute. He's also the perfect reconciliation that Jesus has brought us to God. God our sin separates us from God Jesus brings us in you can come right up in and call God your father through Jesus Christ Jesus did all this suffering for sin and now what are you supposed to arm yourself with being ready to suffer in some way if necessary because of what he's done for you How does this work uh I was trying to think of a weapon with two sides, so all I could come up with was a sword. Okay? You got something better for me? You can tell me later. Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword here of arming yourself with the gospel. Number one, when you see Jesus on the cross, what does it say about how he feels about you? Uh, at the risk of being cheesy, say, I am loved. I am loved. Go ahead, go ahead. It's okay. I am loved. I am loved, I am loved. If you don't believe you're loved, you will not be able to buckle up for suffering. You will not be able to face suffering for Jesus if you do not believe you're loved. And to look at his suffering for you and how loved you are. I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm okay right now. I'm forgiven, I belong to him. We're good right now through the gospel, I'm loved. Okay, Jesus, I'm ready for what you have for me because I know you love me. So that was the first side of the edge or of the sword. The, the other edge, I'm led. Say, I am led. Led, it's the idea that Jesus is leading you. Uh, we saw at the end of that Peter passage last week that he sits at the right hand of God. He's interceding for you right now. It says in this letter that Jesus is our shepherd. He's leading you. He's sovereign over your life. He's in control. You can trust him. When when suffering feels like it's coming or you're walking into it, you're not in a chaotic accident. That would be back to going secular, right? Everything's just the chaotic accident, including your suffering and your joy. That would be consistent in that worldview, but that's not our worldview. We have a God in heaven. We have Jesus who is king. And when things come in our path, whether they're easy or they're hard, we are being led by him. Man, suck on Psalm 23 this week. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me. He guides me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds like a rough neighborhood. I will what? I will fear no evil because you are with me. My shepherd is with me. I'm led. I'm led. When you're loved and you're led because you belong to God through Jesus' suffering, that helps you buckle up to arm yourself with you know what? If need be, I'll walk into suffering. I'll do it. I'm ready. I'm armed. Reality, belonging. Now the break. Should arm ourselves for suffering because of the break. You ever, you ever been in a really terrible relationship? You knew you shouldn't be in. Uh, evidently, I'm the only one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pray for uh, I, that's over. Okay, the one I'm in now, till death, right, babe, right, okay. It happened a long time ago. And uh, man, it was a mess. It was a mess. And, and do, you, do you remember the pain of the, the break, the breakup? And you were dreading it for forever because it's so awkward and difficult. And you, you probably stayed around longer than you should have because you just didn't want to handle the confrontation because that's going to be painful. You didn't want to walk into that suffering. And then finally, when it was done, you knew it was, uh, you knew it was junk, you're finally done, and you go, If you're willing to suffer, there's a break here, and it's the breakup we all need the most. It's the breakup you and I need with our practice, sin. The breakup we need with our sin. So I just want, I want want to dare you to ask the Lord right now in your mind, Lord, what is my rebellion right now? What's, what's my bad relationship in my mind, in my heart, in my practice, where you and I both know we need a breakup? Because what Peter is really getting at right here is if you know reality and you belong to God and He's calling you to this, if you know Jesus has won you and through His suffering you're loved and you're led, okay, now you're ready. You're you're armed for suffering, and you're ready to break with sin. Look what Peter says again, verse 1. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So first of all, what is he saying? Suffered in the flesh here does not mean physical death. You know that, verse 2, because you're living the rest of the time of the flesh for God. So it's a different kind of flesh. Um... It says, uh, ceased from sin. So anybody a little intimidated by that one? Because you're like, uh, I don't know anyone like that. (laughs) Okay, does this mean sinless perfection? I'm gonna say, uh, no way, Jose, that's not what he means. We've got plenty of reasons for that, but just to make it real clear, look at 1 John 1.8. 1 John 1.8, 8 to 10. If we say we have no sin, we What? deceive ourselves, and we, he's the apostle writing too, uh, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So I have a deep, deep distrust of anyone who claims to have totally beaten their sin, a deep distrust, uh, because there's one sin left, and it happens to be the worst, worst one. It's called pride, <laughs> So no, it doesn't mean sinless perfection. That'll come when you're glorified. And yet, as we say, okay, um, I shouldn't expect perfection. Does that now mean, hey, nobody's perfect? It's okay to have a sin hobby, right? Nobody's perfect. Is that the attitude of this passage? Is that the attitude of the cross? I was thinking about this. Why was Jesus on the cross again, you remember? To save me from my sin, and my ultimate, his ultimate goal for me is to make me holy and blameless like him. He wants me to be over with an attitude, the behavior of sin. One day, his goal will be complete, and it's gonna be beautiful. I cannot wait. Do you know how happy you're gonna be just to have the whole sin thing gone? It's gonna be so wonderful. But his goal for you is that you would not sin, and when we were like, oh, nobody's perfect. It's okay to have little hobby sins. I mean, imagine Jesus on the cross dying for your sins, and you're like, is a hobby sin Okay. You you wanna you wanna pull out more of my beard like those other folks did? You wanna hit me again? Another nail? Uh, I just want you some hobby sins, Jesus. You can't expect me to kill all my sin. <laughs> he's he's on the cross like why don't you wanna why don't you wanna kill all your sin? Cause it hurts and you're not armed for suffering. You know what this passage is saying? If you're willing to walk into suffering when necessary, the fundamental break is you're saying, I'm willing to be done with my sin practices. I'm willing to put that to bed. Uh, Tom Schreiner, he's a commentator. I think he helps explain the context of what's going on here. I'm going to read it to you. It's three slides. Uh, Schreiner says, Peter explained why they should prepare themselves to suffer, seeing the commitment to suffer as evidence that they have broken with a life of sin. The point is not that believers who suffer have attained sinless perfection, as if they do not sin at all after suffering. What Peter emphasized was that those who commit themselves to suffer, those who willingly endure... Scorn and mockery for their faith show that they have triumphed over sin. They've broken with sin because they've ceased to participate in the lawless activities of unbelievers and endured the criticisms that have come from such a decision. The commitment to suffer reveals a passion for a new way of life, a life that is not yet perfect but remarkably different from the lives of the surrounding world. If you're armed, willing to suffer when necessary, you're finally breaking free. You see the new desires in verse 2. We want to live the rest of the time in the flesh. I mean, just while you're here in your body. We want to live that time no longer for what? You see it? Human passions. The word there means over desires. Anybody got any over desires? Uh, You like to be liked by people? Me too. Anybody hate controversy? I do. Um, is there a time when if you live for that, uh, you won't be living faithfully to the Lord? There is, and so you got an over-desire here. I love comfort, lack of controversy, peace. I just want to sit over here, uh, and then all of a sudden, some, in some context, you're like, I, it, it can't be left there. Well, if you have an over-desire where you live for comfort, you're, you're not going to live for the Lord in that moment. You've made that your king and your Lord, And over-desire is often a good thing that you put way too high. And now you're living for it. And Peter says, we gotta put that away. And you're like, it's gonna sting. And he's like, I know, arm yourself for suffering. Be ready to take it if necessary so that you can follow the Lord. We don't wanna live for human passions anymore. What do we wanna live for now? The will of God. The will of God. I want the Lord to be pleased with me. I want to live in such a way that he, that he enjoys. I want, to, I want to live for his will. You Remember the Lord's Prayer, Father, hallowed be your name, right? Be holy to me, be everything to me. And then the next line: your kingdom come. Right here. Right here. Right here. Let me live for you. And that's what Peter gets to next. It's time to count the cost, it's time to break with sin time to be done. Uh, Don't you love this church that they've planted? Some of them have some really colorful testimonies. Did you see what uh, they've got on their resume? Verse three, the time has passed. Uh, Suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in, help me out, sensuality, passions. What's the next one? Drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So that is the life these folks were in. Praise God for his grace. Can God save people who used to have an orgy habit? (laughs) Yes, I mean, this is what this church is made of. Real people lost in the world, and Jesus comes and saves them. Praise God. If you've got a closet full of stuff that you're ashamed of and embarrassed about, have a look at these lines and realize, Jesus came to save sinners. (laughs) Come on. He's ready and willing to take you. Come on. And then when you come to him, he forgives you. He makes you a child of God. You're going to hear Peter say, the time is past for that mess. We're moving on now. We're moving forward. So here's where it needs to land for you and me right here. What would, if you got to have a, if you got to have coffee with Peter, and he was talking about who Jesus is for you, and what Jesus has done for you, and, and all of a sudden he got to, okay, the time is now passed for, what would he say to you? What is it for you? Obviously, anything in this list counts, <laughs> okay? Uh, you can see that the Gentile world of the day had a hard time with sexuality, okay? Again, it goes back to the therefore, God made sex. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it's the body making covenant with someone else. I'm, I see you. I love you. I'm yours forever. It's the body making a promise. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But like a fire, it belongs in the fireplace. Um, the fireplace for sex is, is marriage. And that's where it's safe and right and good and beautiful. And if you let a fire out of a fireplace, what happens? You, you burn the whole thing down. And our world is full of the scars. Full of the scars. So that, therefore, hey, therefore, this is what God has said. The time has passed for that kind of uh, just rebellion. You've been bought. You're loved. But what's going to happen if you stop some of these, uh, you know, you're on the, the party text list, and they're like, hey, Friday night at 9. And you, and you have given your life to Jesus, and, and now you got to be like, you know, a little text thing shows up, the three dots. And they're waiting for what you're going to say. And you're going to say, I can't be there. And then maybe they pull out the why. Therefore, (laughs) I've given my life to Jesus. He's my Lord now. I live for him. And they're like, You are you saying you and you know what's coming. You hate us, you think we're terrible, you don't want to be our friends anymore? How dare you? You you're a bigot, you're small minded. You're oppressive. You're this. You're that. And guess what's coming? Suffering. You're suffering. They're maligning you. They're maligning you. And you have to answer the question, right? Am I willing to suffer so as to break with the sin? And Peter's saying, hey, arm yourself for suffering so that you can put a break to this. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't mean you don't love those people. You don't want to tell them about Jesus. It doesn't mean you, you're writing people off. It doesn't mean you're, but it means, it means you're willing to pay the price to follow Jesus with all that you are. That's what it means. So what is it for us? What is it for us? Where is Jesus saying uh, it's, it's the time for that's over? I think I have to mention here this morning, because Peter's doing it. Um, I think the evangelical Christian version of this is pornography. Uh, the stats are terrible for what happens in the pews of our churches. And so um, nobody in here is perfect. We all deserve to go to God's wrath. Nobody here is going to be self-righteous towards anybody else. But uh, it just it, this passage just says, hey, if that's in your life and you belong to Jesus, it, the time has passed. And you're like, it's gonna be hard to, to change that. Yeah, it is. Arm yourself for suffering. And you'll have a break with it. If, you, if you're ready to, to suffer, to feel some pain, you can have a break with it. You can put it to bed, you can be done. And I want you to know I'm here for you. And church community's here for you. And we can work together, we can work together to be done with this. But what is it for you? Another thing that came to my mind is is not necessarily bad things we do, it's good things we don't do. How many of you know you're called to teach someone in your life the news of the gospel? Is anybody still in the whole like that was for the 12 apostles? If you're still there, that's cozy if it's just for the 12 apostles. The problem is they're all dead. Are you called to tell people in your life about Jesus and what he's done? I have an itch about this, an itch. I know I'm called to do it. I know we're called to do it. Are are any of you with me like, (laughs) I honestly don't very often. Why not? I know why. Because it would bring suffering. (laughs) What kind of suffering? Well, like awkward suffering. You got to bring up a, a topic. Insecurity suffering, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? By the way, it's okay to say, everybody practice, I don't know the answer. Go ahead. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I say that too. I don't know the answer. That is okay. That is okay. You can try to find the answer. But there's a there's a suffering, right, that comes with, wait, you... Who knows what your friends and family, those really close friends and family you have, and you've you've been being a nice person for like 12 years now. By the way, how nice of a person are you going to have to be for them to believe the gospel? Are they going to walk up to you and be like, you are so, so kind, I realized I'm a sinner. And I realized the Bible must be true. You are so nice to me, I just realized Jesus came in the flesh. And I realize he died on the cross and rose from the dead because you are so nice. How can I give my life to Jesus? Does that ever happen to anyone? You know, if if you're so nice, they're gonna think you're a Mormon. (laughs) We have to open our mouths. Am I saying don't be nice? Dear God, no, right? Be nice. We have to open our mouths. Why don't we? Arm yourself for suffering. It's not the first century church's suffering, right? It's maybe people getting a little, eh. But arm yourself. Arm yourself with an attitude of suffering because it's therefore, it's reality. It's what God has for us. It's who God is. Number two, because we belong to him through Jesus' suffering. We're loved and we're led. Number three, because it'll bring a break with sin and any Christian wants that a break with sin, forth, the reward, the reward. Why arm ourselves for suffering? Look at verse five. Okay, when they malign you when, you, when you quit joining them in these things, when they malign you, they'll give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Yikes, what's coming one day? Judgment day, judgment day. We stand before Jesus, we answer, we answer. They're going to answer. The word that stood out to me is, they will give an account to him who is ready. He is ready. It's all just the water is right there at the tipping point. He is ready. The major reason Jesus waits to come back, he's got more people to save. He's ready to bring it. He's ready to start the new creation. He's ready to take us to, to heaven. He is ready to, to bring an end to evil and injustice. He is ready. It's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you want him to hear do you want him to say to you when you see him, well done? And is there, are there going to be more precious words than that in the history of life itself? If Jesus would look at you on that day and say, well done. You know what you're going to need to arm yourself with to get some of that well done? <laughs> arm yourself for some suffering. There will be a reward. That's what verse 6 is, ta- is saying. This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that though judge in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. I think what Peter is getting at here, is that when a, a Christian is willing to, to live her faith and she suffer for? it for it, and then she dies? It seems like a big failure. So Peter here is remembering those, basically Christians who are now dead, the, go- the people the gospel was preached to. And so the question is, was it a waste for them to suffer for Jesus, Or are now they kind of glad that they did? The answer's in verse 6. Though that though judge in the flesh the way people are, what's that? Death. We all are, we're all sinners, and guess what we're all gonna get to enjoy? Death. Okay. Yet what happens for those who belong to Christ? It's not the end. It's not the end. We we live in the spirit the way God does. Or, or remember Jesus' words to the thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me, where? In paradise, in paradise. I love my country, I love our standard of living in our comforts, I'll admit it. But folks, this ain't heaven. It's so hard for us to, to grasp that. We get the idea it's supposed to be heaven, of uh, it's not heaven. We get the idea the work is done. It's not done. It's not done. The fight's not over. There will be a reward. Will it be worth it? Is the therefore real? Is God real? Is the gospel true? Or are you going to stand before him? Therefore, arm yourself for suffering so you can live the life God has for you. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, your word confronts us. We're all confronted. Comfort us, please, with the gospel. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to save sinners and that for anybody who repents of their sin and trusts in you, you forgive them, you embrace them, you welcome them, you call them daughter, call us sons. Lord, if there's anybody like that right now, I pray your reality would just land on them and they would want to trust you. They would want to trust you. Do that work, Lord. If that's you today, I'd love to talk to you after the service. And uh, Lord, for those of us who do know you, we, we pray, God, that, uh, that you'd arm us to, to live for you, to work for you, to go after what you have for us, and to burst through our fear, our love for comfort, apathy, uh, laziness, and that we would never be obnoxious or overbearing, but be genuinely, sincerely yours, um, that we would break with our sin as we live for the reward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.